0: Just between us hey. Just
1: between us hey. Hello, I'm Alison Raskin I'm a writer, mental health advocate And I love live music
0: Ooh, is what we were just talking about So we both saw Death Cabin We did Hell yeah Ooh.
1: And I didn't have any idea that it was the same lead singer
0: it's almost the same band.
1: I had no concept of anything about them.
0: You didn't? No, because I didn't really grow up listening to either. That's so funny. Okay, so yeah, so Postal Service just adds um, um, Jenny Lewis. And, and a different guy. And I, uh, the producer, Jimmy, something. Yeah, yeah. He uh- was there yeah he was there he sang Um, one little part and the crowd went wild they went crazy so it was like okay so they came out dressed in black they were death cab then they came out dressed in white they were postal service
1: in between the two bands there's a 15 minute break and John turned to me and was like you know that Ben is in the postal service too and I was like what are you talking about he was like it's the same singer and I was like that's not true and I was like does everyone here know that and he was like
0: yeah yeah (laughs) yeah my mind was blown. Ben Gibbard as he ages, very sexy. I was very drawn to him. Sexy guy. He I did not think so when he was young. But now He the must gray hair. be in love with Jenny Lewis, right? I don't, I don't think so. I don't know. He's married. I know. But how could you not be in love with her? I know. She's beautiful. She's giving like ethereal Stevie Nicks.
1: Right? And she like came out and she had like this cape attached to her dress and it blew in the wind. And I was like, this is so amazing.
0: Did you, did you ever like Rilo Kylie or her band? No. Oh, they're great. They've got some great stuff.
1: I know. I didn't really know any Jenny Lewis stuff either other than the one song that's on my, my playlist, which is, um, she's not me. Okay, yeah. I know that song
0: very Do, well. Rilo Kylie has some great stuff. Oh, my God. The way that I was obsessed with Portions for Foxes when I was in college. Oh, that song's toxic. It's about toxic relationship, kind of. Oh. Um, but I was like, wow, romance.
1: Well, I didn't understand why when you have Jenny Lewis, she wasn't singing way more. But it turns out that when they made that album, she was just supposed to be a backup singer.
0: Yep. And yep. so
1: now she's like very underutilized in their one album that they have.
0: Yep. And they're never going to make a second one. It was great. It was really great. One thing I noticed that was so funny is obviously it's like, I was like, this is elder emo white person Christmas. And, and it was like everyone in their thirties and forties or whatever. And it was like for Death Cab, I don't know if it was the same at your show. Nobody had their phone out.
1: Oh no! Everyone just sat there, kind of silently. Everyone was sitting there. Everyone was just sitting there. No one was dancing, really. Everyone just was sitting and like just vibing. Ah, yes, this is vibing. And then when postal service came out, then everyone stood up. Yeah, it was interesting.
0: Yeah, it was like it was like very like like everyone's just hanging out, sort of vibing, like having like we we nobody was standing and everyone was enjoying it and listening to the music, but also nobody was like taking video, like nobody had their phone out or anything. It was like really peaceful. It was lovely. Yeah.
1: this is just between us a variety (laughs) show filled with heartfelt advice ridiculous games and brutal honesty did he
0: say the thing where he was just like don't worry it's only a 15 minute intermission you have to get back to your babysitter or whatever
1: no he said a funny thing where he was like five times on this tour people have been like I'm gonna take edibles and have a good time and then they take too much and fall asleep
0: Yeah, there was and he was a lot like, but of-
1: no one here seems to be asleep, so that means you're dosing, right?
0: Oh, my God. Okay, wait. My boyfriend just sent me this um, this uh, tweet that was from Ben Rosen that says, Officer, suspect is a white male, 35 to 40 bearded glasses. Detective, where was he last seen? Officer, walking into this death cab postal service show at the Hollywood Bowl. Detective, looking out at the bowl crowd. Cigarette falls out of his mouth. Good God. <laughs> I wasn't all just white men at my show. I mean, no, it wasn't. But it was definitely like people of a certain age. And my dad was making fun of me. My dad was like, because I've seen Death Cab. I saw Death Cab exactly a year ago as well. And um, my dad was like, you're still into that shit. I would hear it coming from your room. I'd be like, that's some whiny shit. (laughs) And I was like, yeah, dad, are you still into the shit that you liked? Well, yeah, exactly.
1: The the stuff you listen to as a teenager is always going to have such a
0: choke hold on you. Absolutely. In like the best way. <laughs> Absolutely. And we were emo. Yeah. A little bit emo, a little bit pop punk. I was I was an emo. I was pop punk. Pop punk. I yeah. was pretty emo. I wrote bright eyes lyrics on my on my backpack in white out.
1: I had pink streaks in my hair that immediately faded to blonde streaks that looked like tiger streaks for like a middle aged white woman in the suburbs. They faded immediately? Like within days. And then I just had these
0: tiger streaks. It was rough. Did you have pictures with the pink? No, I don't think so. <laughs>
1: But I think on my license, my old license, it was the time.
0: Oh, streak. my God. <laughs> Yikes. Uh, well, we've got a great episode for everyone today. We're going to be talking to Tanya Plowd all about dog physical therapy. <laughs> Another so part to our dog <laughs> episode run of shows. <laughs> and
1: later, we're going to be discussing loyalty. What is it? How do you define it? And how loyal
0: should you be? And Allison's going to make us swear a, a a vow of fealty to her. <laughs>
1: I wish. <laughs> With Mother's Day around the corner, are you thinking about a truly special gift for your mom? Let me tell you all about mylifeinabook.com. It's a unique service that turns your mom's life stories into a beautiful book. Pretty cool, right? Here's how it works. Every week, mylifeinabook.com will send her a question via email. These can be pre-written questions about her life or any custom questions you wish to ask. And then she can either type her response or use their voice to text feature. And mylifeinabook.com compiles all her responses into a beautiful keepsake book. And guess what? They can even create an audiobook using her voice recordings. It's like preserving her voice and her stories for eternity. Imagine discovering stories about her youth, adventures, and the challenges she overcame. This book becomes a legacy, something you and future generations can treasure forever. Your mom's given you a lifetime of stories. Hi everyone, Allison here. it so much. So if you want to take part in Book of the Month and have a brand new book shipped right to your door every single month, go to bookofthemonth.com and get your first book for $5 with code PEDALS. That's $5 off with code PEDALS. I cannot recommend this enough. back to just between us. It's time for the juiciest, most scandalous, most controversial
0: segment known to all of podcasting. Tough questions. This week on the show, we have Tanya Plowed, a physical therapist for humans, as well as an animal rehab therapist. She works with dogs and cats to help them reduce their pain and move better so they can recover from injuries and go back to living their happiest lives. Welcome, Tanya. And thank you uh, for joining us for part. Who knows how many of, of our, our dog segment of our dog series. Of dogs.
1: <laughs>
2: <laughs> hello thank you for having me
1: i am someone who has spent uh, more time than i would like with physical therapists and i'm so curious like what the training is to be able to do it with animals and the fact that you do both
2: yeah oh it's a super fun job so in general so i'm in canada so it might be a little bit different in the states but to be a physical therapist it's a master's degree here i Uh-oh. believe for you guys it's actually a doctorate so you need an undergrad first and then you go through the physio schooling, whether it's the master's or the doctorate program to have your degree in physical therapy for animal rehab. So it's open to a couple different professions. So you essentially have to either be a physical therapist, a vet or a vet tech to be able to do the program. Uh, so you have to have kind of at least some either animal or human kind of background with that but there are a couple of programs. So in the, in Canada, we have our Canadian Physical Therapy Association, which has kind of like special interest groups and they put on courses and kind of different things there. So we have our animal rehab division, which has a whole diploma system. So right now there's the diploma in canine or equine rehab. So I did my courses through them. So essentially it was kind of, it took about two years total, but I was also doing it part-time while I was still in school. So kind of, if you... Really go at it. You can do it sooner. (laughs) But uh, so you do it's a bunch of in-person courses and then you do some stuff locally as well because the courses are only held at a couple locations. So you kind of have to fly out for the courses. Oh, wow. But then you do vet shadowing. There's homework. There's case studies you have to do. Like it's a long kind of amount of homework there. And then when you submit all that, do all the courses, then you get your diploma in canine or equine rehab. And the ones in the States, it's the CCRP or the CCRT programs. Those are kind of the two big ones in the States. And Canadians can take those as well. It's just more convenience when you're already in the States. But essentially the same system, of courses. So you kind of have the same qualifications at the end.
0: Wow. Okay. So I always think about this with human doctors and animal doctors. Where what is it like having a patient that can't speak to you?
2: Oh, they talk to you. <laughs> That's the biggest question I get where people are like, oh, but they can't tell you what's wrong. Like, how do you possibly know? And I'm like, well, we all have animals here, so we know how much they communicate when they (laughs) have certain wants or needs. And I mean, a big thing is obviously talking to the owner. So that's a big portion, especially when we first see them for for our initial consult. Uh, We do a big subjective with the owner. be like, okay, what happened? What have you seen? You know, are they limping? Are they crying? What's going on? So obviously if the dog came to be on its own, it'd be a little bit tougher to find that starting (laughs) point. But usually you at least know kind of which limb you're dealing with or kind of general stuff. And then from there, we kind of we do our physical exams. So we kind of first look at them just as a whole. So see them walk. Can they walk? How do they sit? How do they stand? How do they get up? Kind of all the different movements there. So we see kind of are they limping? Do they seem like they're kind of leaning? Kind of how are they? Are they happy? Are they really shaking? Kind of you get a lot from that. And then we do our. Kind of in-depth physical exam so we feel everything so just like a human phys- uh, physical therapist might then after kind of t- chatting with you get you to do certain movements or kind of poke around see so what's sore there same thing with the dogs and that's where they really tell us if something's sore so a lot of them they i mean they talk to us differently some are a bit more reactive and i mean they the second you touch the sore spots they kind of get a bit mad at you some just give you a bit of a look we're like yep that's the spot that hurts so you do have <sighs> to kind of pick up on their body language. But we do kind of essentially go through their whole body joint by joint, limb by limb to figure out what's tight, what's sore, and kind of go from there.
1: I feel like people probably don't know that this is even an option, right? So like how bad does it have to be before you people tend to bring their pets to you
2: yeah, and honestly, it depends on the city. like I'm super lucky I've only lived in big cities where this is already an existing field. Mm-hmm. like I went to my school for physiotherapy in Vancouver in British Columbia, which is a big, big city, lots of dog people. essentially, if you're in a town where people's dogs are their babies. You're good. So (laughs) In Vancouver, it was already and people really spend a lot of time and money on their dogs. And now I'm working in Ottawa and Ontario. And same thing, it's a really big city. The clinic I'm working at in Ottawa already existed before I started working here. So they already had a bit of a reputation, like all the local vets know us. So we get a lot of either word of mouth referrals or people's vets if they because also in the animal world, at least in Canada is what I can speak to, is you need a vet referral to be able to see us. So it's not direct access. Uh, So we at least, same thing in terms of the diagnosis, they're already coming in with some sort of diagnosis. That being said, I mean, some vets know rehab better than others. So some diagnoses are pretty minimal in terms of, you know, limping on the back left leg, figure it out. (laughs) Versus some are a lot more in depth. Like, you know, if it's a post-op, you know exactly what was done. So that's where we get a lot of our referrals from vets as well but it really depends like I know people in small towns they might be lucky if they see one dog a month so kind of how much you can work full-time really depends on the city you're in but any big cities tend to have a pretty good market for it
1: I just like I I can't it's such wonderful work (laughs) so
2: (laughs) (laughs) it is it really is I mean essentially we're just helping dogs feel better and feel happier so it's the best job! I always say it's kind of it's the best parts about being a vet without all the sad parts about being a vet. Yeah, yeah. so it's just it's so much fun. How do you get them to
0: do the stuff that they need to do?
2: Cookies, lots <laughs> of cookies. So we have, I mean, we have treat jars in every room in the clinic. We always ask the owners, like, hey, do they have any food allergies? We need to know about. If they do, we ask the owners to just bring their own treats if they're picky about that. And I mean, depends on the dog. I mean, if you get a happy dog who you know the second he sees a cookie, he'll do anything you say going to be an easy treatment easy assessment some you have to convince a little bit and honestly how much we do even the first day super depends on the dog because if the dog again if within five minutes they're your best friend great probably kind of do anything you want to them they won't care but the ones that are nervous or anxious usually they do get better once they get to know you like i haven't had any dogs so far in my career that i've been unable to treat but there are some where if they're either really reactive or just really so anxious they're just tensing up into like a ball of shivering essentially Then I might not even do that much hands on the day first day. Like I'll have them, you know, walk around, do what they can to at least get started. And then as they relax, then I might say, okay, next time we'll kind of assess a little bit more because if they're tensing so much, you're not really going to get a good assessment anyways. Plus, you might actually hurt them if they're trying to pull away from you. So how much we do, sometimes we do have to really, really take it slow. Usually we do get there. Just some need a little bit more coaxing, but Main thing is lots and lots of
1: treats. (laughs) And do you do aquatic therapy with any of the animals?
2: We do. So we do offer hydrotherapy. So some different clinics have different uh, systems for that. We have an underwater treadmill. So some have full on pools as well. We don't, we're not big enough to have that. But the nice thing with the treadmill. So it's kind of, have you ever seen one of those? Yes. (laughs) Okay. Yeah. So it's kind of like a big fish tank with a treadmill at the bottom. So we always go in there with them. I mean, unless the dog's really, really a pro at it. We don't send them in there by themselves. But the nice thing is, we can play with the water height. So, A, just the size of the dog. We can get anything from a Chihuahua to a Great Dane in there. Oh. And then, depending on what we want to achieve. So, essentially, the higher the water, the more it offloads their body weight. So, you know, like when you're in a pool, you're kind of floating, you're not feeling gravity as much. So, say if it's a really sore joint, like say an older dog with arthritis or freshly post op and they're just sore, being in there with the water lets them actually walk and get moving without that pressure that gets just from gravity when they're walking on the ground so often it just helps them move a little bit easier without that pain or if we want to really work them out so say if we're working with like sporting dogs for example who have to get back to agility or running or hunting then once they're farther on in their rehab we actually lower the water so it's not really helping them anymore but they're just running with resistance so you know it's like if you are at the beach running through like knee-deep water it's way more of a workout than running on land so we kind of tweak depending on where they are and then what the goals are as well
1: You know, something I feel like is so difficult as a dog owner and not something I've had to deal with yet is properly assessing their quality of life. Right. And like, I think sometimes owners are not ready to let go of their dog. And so like, do you ever deal with situations where like the dog's quality of life has really deteriorated, but the owner is like, but just make them better when that's not really when they're at a stage where that's not really possible?
2: Yeah, we do see that here and there. It's not the bulk of uh, our dogs, but we do, you know, can't help it, but see that once in a while. Main thing is, I mean, as rehab practitioners, we can't give medical advice mm-hmm. and we can't tell someone, oh, no, no, you, you should put down your dog or you shouldn't put down your dog. The best we can do is, I mean, there are certain questionnaires that both us and vets use that kind of we can help talk owners through different options. We can give them the questionnaires to try to kind of determine the quality of life. So it's asking, you know, all the typical things like, How are they eating? Are they sleeping? Kind of all that sort of stuff where if really if you're ticking off a lot of boxes, it kind of cues the owner that, okay, maybe it really is deteriorating. We have had dogs where, say, for example, it's an older dog with arthritis and they really seem miserable. But if it's just the arthritis and nothing else, that is something we do help with. So we've had some where the owners thought that they might have to put them down eventually and we actually we get them moving we get them feeling better and it's like their dog is five years old again so it's not always a you know first session kind of conversation and sometimes we do have the really sad cases where no matter what we do it's just it's not working and they're just they're not in good health but we do have just as much the ones where we can actually help maintain their quality of life and give them a couple more good years that they might not not have had otherwise. So those are always kind of the most satisfying sessions. And it's always really fun working with the old dogs as well, because there's kind of there's less pressure to, you know, get them back to sport or back to agility. It's like, you know, working with athletes in the human world. It's more so just keeping them happy. So usually the sessions are, you know, a little bit more chill and more relaxed, but we're still making them feel good at the end of the day. So it's really satisfying. I love
0: that. I just imagine like the, the, the satisfaction of seeing a dog running around that came in and, and couldn't do that. Like, that's your heart yeah. grows three sizes. You're like, oh, my goodness. Oh, absolutely.
2: Yeah. And sometimes even the owners don't even realize how much progress they've made. Like, we always take at any initial session. We take some videos and pictures, even if it's just for their charts, just for internal use. But just to kind of document where they're starting and then maybe three, four or five minutes later, we'll take some progress pictures and then actually send them to the owners if there is kind of a big improvement there. And it's really fun to see because they see them day to day. So they often don't even notice the little changes that I see if I see them week to week, month to month. So it's fun to see kind of the before and after because then you realize how much, even just how much happier they look, they're standing up straighter, their tail's wagging. Like it's it's really, really satisfying.
1: We're going to take a quick break, but stick
2: around.
1: And we're back. How can you tell if a a dog has arthritis?
2: Some of it is physical exam. So age is part of it. It's more common in older dogs, obviously. But on the physical exam, kind of signs of arthritis are stiffness. Like, especially if they're really stiff in the mornings. Often we see our dogs where, you know, if they get up in the morning, they're, you know, takes them a little while to get going. And then once they go on their first walk, they're moving a little bit better um any creaking cracking in the joints which sometimes it's audible sometimes they get up and you hear like crack 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 or even if you just put your hands on their joints while they get up you can kind of feel a bit of that cracking and then we feel as well when we do our in depth joint exam any restrictions like if they're really tight somewhere if they're kind of not moving very well sometimes the vets will have already done x-rays for example so that can confirm arthritis but it's not necessary to confirm it it's mostly kind of clinical signs and symptoms where and if they're stiff restricted older and then you feel those kind of that lack of movements, then unless there's any other medical stuff going on, often it is kind of arthritic changes.
1: I know my I've noticed uh, I don't think she has arthritis, but I have noticed with my older dog, Sugar, who's going to be I mean, we don't know for sure, but approximately 11 in February. When she gets up from lying down, I now notice that those first few steps are like kind of stiff. And I'm like, oh, no, (laughs) Like
2: it's it's like
1: (laughs) scary and sad to just like notice these like body changes as they age.
2: Yeah, I know. Yeah, it's always. Yeah, especially when you see your dog like year to year kind of slow down a little bit. But honestly, the biggest thing for arthritis is staying active. This Mm. is humans and animals. Like, the more you keep walking her, keep playing with her, if she's not showing signs of pain, then that's the biggest thing that keeps the joints mobile, essentially. The more you move, the less you lose that movement. She won't
1: play. She won't play? No. Oh, yeah, she never has. She never plays. And she also doesn't want to walk on our street. Like if we take her somewhere new, <laughs> she's like, this is fantastic. Yeah. But she does not want to walk on our street. And so she's bored, I, I guess. Or she's just so difficult and now. <laughs> and I had just took her to the vet this week who I was asking about her joints. And, and she was like, yeah, she's got to keep moving. And I was like, good luck to me.
0: Yeah.
1: <laughs>
2: well, got to take her to new places every time. I know. My mom
1: was like, put her in the car and drive two blocks. Oh. <laughs>
0: Are there any like supplements or stuff? Cause I get, I keep getting salt, like, you know, shilled supplements for my dog's joints. And I'm like, are these real?
2: Yeah. With the supplements, it's tough. Cause there are some that are kind of, essentially there's not enough research yet to be able to, for vets and medical professionals to be able to make a clear recommendation or not. Like there's tons of them out there, like ones with glucosamine kind of other stuff like that, which anecdotally, a lot of people do say that their dogs look better after taking them. We just don't quite have the, research to conclusively support it or not interesting yeah But often with those i mean it depends on the it depends on the ingredients but often and this is kind of a conversation with the vet as well but the, the vet might say you know give it a try again as long as your dog's not allergic to anything in it then worst cases nothing happens but if there's a potential for it to be better of always talking to the vet as well in terms of any medications, supplements dietary things but often it's a conversation we'll have to kind of try to see okay what can we at least try to give this dog a boost and if it if you see no difference, then, you know, it's up to you whether to keep trying it or not. But anecdotally, there's been some success with that from people I've talked to.
0: What about CBD for dogs?
2: <laughs> that as well. Yeah, same thing. Like it's again, we can't recommend it because there hasn't been enough scientific research on it yet other than with epilepsy. But same thing from my dog owners who give their dogs that can have very, you know, mixed results here and there. But some do say that they've noticed a difference with it. So interesting.
1: I'm curious about like the cost of it all, because is this something that if you have pet insurance, it would cover PT or is it always out of pocket for people? How does that
2: kind of work? More and more insurance companies like pet insurance companies are accepting it. Usually it's a separate add on that you have to buy, though. Like, for example, I've got two cats and they both have uh, uh, health insurance. And there, I mean, I didn't choose the rehab add on because I don't need to pay for rehab for my cats but, uh there was essentially a rider i think it was for us so it would have been like an extra two or three dollars a month where you can get the add-on that rehab would be covered if needed so i think the basic pet insurance just kind of covers like emergency medical stuff but there's the option there and more and more companies have that option as rehab becomes kind of more of a well-known thing like i'd say in the clinic most people still, I see them paying out of pocket, but we do have the occasional clients who, if they do have that extra rider purchase, they'll come in with, you know, their forms first to sign or whatnot so they can claim it. Uh, but most at, at this time, most are paying out of pocket. What does it cost? It's pretty comparable to human physical therapy. Like it depends on the city you live in, right? The bigger cities are always more expensive for well, anything. <laughs> the small towns are a little bit less. Uh, like at the clinic we work at, we do it based on time. So you can book and this is, I mean, we give recommendations on what we think the dog needs and what would be uh, beneficial. So we do 15, 30, 16, and 90 minute sessions or 45 as well. Uh, so that's where the price depends on the amount of time spent. But if I compare it to just cost of human physical therapy in the area for the same amount of time, it's more or less the same price. What's the biggest dog you've ever worked on? <laughs> um, That would be... What was his name? That was Beckham. He was a Newfoundland. I worked on him, I think, about two years ago. He had some sore hips and he was about 155 pounds. Wow. What What color was he? He was black. He was a big black noof and just giant, giant bear. Nicest dog ever. Working on his hips was a workout for me. <laughs> so- yeah. <laughs>
1: yeah. What do you see in like the difference between breeds? Like, are there certain breeds that come in and you're like, oh, no. <laughs>
2: It's super, it depends on the animal. Like, I've seen kind of both in terms of, you know, a certain breed that's known for one thing and it's the complete opposite. Like, you know, people, a lot of people don't like pit bulls, for example, but all the pitties I've treated have been the biggest babies. Like, yeah. I had one pit bull I was working on repli- post uh, knee surgery where she fell asleep on me while I was working on her. And then she sneezed so hard that she scared herself and woke herself up. And I was like, ah, yes, this big scary beast on my lap. (laughs) And So it's it's a complete mixed bag. Some are anxious, some are stressed. So it really depends. I mean, the bigger the dog, the more challenging physically it is if they aren't complying with us Mm because it's a little bit more wrestling on our end. But I'd say there aren't huge patterns breed-wise. I mean, the most aggressive dog I've ever worked on was a Shih Tzu named Grizzly. So. <laughs> I believe that. <laughs> yeah, right?
0: Yeah. What about like, you know, they talk about certain breeds um, being bred and having problems. Like, oh, pugs, you shouldn't have pugs. Or like, oh, this, yeah. you know, French bulldog or whatever. Like, how, is that, how do you feel about that? Do you see a lot of that coming in?
2: Designer dogs? Yeah. I mean, for example, we see so many Dachshunds, Corgis, uh, Shih Tzus, any of guys with the kind of the smaller legs, long backs. We see tons and tons of those for back issues. Uh, They are really prone to them, especially as they get older. So disc issues, back pain, paralysis, like we because we do see neurological dogs as well. And I'd say a big proportion of those are those types of breeds just with the really, really long backs. Because, I mean, essentially, again, we were breeding for certain characteristics that we think look cute, but it's not necessarily the best physical uh, health mm-hmm. for the dog. Same as like all the bulldog type breeds with the flatter faces, like the pugs, Frenchies, those guys can adorable, but they cannot breathe properly. So yeah. it's a bit of a, a mixed ethical question there where, you know, we breed for certain traits and then uh, we end up kind of causing more health problems down the line as well.
0: What's the smallest dog you've ever worked on?
2: Uh, A tiny little five pound Yorkie. He was very cute. And actually one day, there was one day where I had my Noof followed by him and I had to be very careful not to just rip his head off because I was so (laughs) used to yanking on this big guy's hip and then the little guy was coming in for a neck issue. So I had to be kind of so careful with his little joints. (laughs) Fun schedule change. You're using your
0: full hand with one of them and then the other one, you've got like tweezers. You're just moving. Him. Pretty
2: much. It's like, I don't know if you've ever played ping pong immediately after playing tennis. But I've done that once and I pretty much threw my threw the ball all the way across the room. That's what it felt like. Oh, my gosh.
1: If you want to hear the rest of this episode, and let me tell you, you do, head over to patreon.com slash just between us. And for $3 a month, you can get access to all of our podcast episodes in full ad free.
0: You can also get merch for this podcast at JustBetweenUsPod.com dot com or allisonraskinexposed.com. Okay,
1: that's it. Tatala Two. Tatala Two